0: We all know the effect music has on our mood. You know, getting motivated for a workout or the overwhelming heart tug of a sad song. But what if I were to tell you that it plays a starring role in supporting those working in life and death situations? Hey, Annalisa here with all ears. On this episode, we find ourselves witnessing firsthand the important role music plays in the day to day of an intense workplace, an operating theatre. So get on your scrubs as we head into surgery and get ready for this episode of All Ears. A DJ saved my life. And how did we end up here? Well, a while back I was riding my bike and I was hit by a car. I was actually really lucky and wasn't hurt too badly, but I had to get an MRI scan. That stands for Magnetic Resonance Imaging, by the way. It's a huge machine that uses magnetic fields and radio waves to take pictures of your insides. In my case, they were looking inside my arm and shoulder to see how much damage had been caused. So I show up to my appointment not thinking at all about what's involved in this MRI and it turns out that you've got to lie incredibly still in a very small tunnel-shaped space for what can be quite a long period of time while a really loud machine scans your body. For obvious reasons, this commonly causes high levels of anxiety in patients That and the tiny space that you're stuck in. And to help you relax, they give you headphones and let you select your favourite music. Put on the spot, one name popped into my head. Otis Redding. And I have to say, a very soothing choice in the circumstances. While I was in that claustrophobic situation, each time I began to panic. I put my mind back to Otis. His voice, the lyrics, the music, and I was fine. Now, humans are innately attuned to the beat in music. After all, a steady beat is with us from the beginning of life in the womb. The heartbeat. Studies have shown that our anxiety levels are tremendously reduced when listening to music that mimics the resting heart rate. For healthy adults, by the way, that's 60 to 100 BPM. After my Otis experience, I started thinking about all the places that music is used to make us comfortable or relax us in the medical world. I've had many friends who have selected music while having an operation where they need to remain conscious, and giving birth is another time where music can be vital for mothers in labour. But I was curious about the lesser-known scenarios. Six months later, I'm at this Christmas party and I meet a surgeon, and I ask him about this. But to my surprise, he was way more excited to tell me about the role it plays in theatre in his own practice, to support his mood and concentration
1: when there's been some sort of difficult element to say a microsurgical part of the operation for example the blood vessel that we're trying to connect the um, flap of tissue the area of tissue that we've moved with its blood supply in its entirety might be in a tissue that's had previous radiotherapy so it's very sticky or friable or fragile it might be that there's been a leak from the saliva through a tumour onto those vessels, so there's a, the, the, the tissues are difficult to deal with, or it's down a deep hole, or the patient has some clotting problems. And so there's some microsurgical element of adversity.
0: That's the surgeon, Ramin Shayan. He's a specialist reconstructive plastic surgeon in Melbourne, Australia.
1: When um, we release the clamps, my anaesthetist will put the opening part of back in black on so that, you know, do you remember that, that opening f- from Back in Black? Sing it for me. It goes, And that, that to me is like, right, we're done, we're on. And you see the blood flow. And for me, that goes with it. It just goes as part of that. The clamps are released. The blood flows across from the patient's body into this bit of tissue you've moved. It starts to bleed and pink up and it's alive and you're back, right, from that difficult point. And there's nothing that, that, that has become for me such an anthemic and symbolic part of a song that when I hear it walking past a pub or on the radio, it will, for me, where it takes me is releasing the clamps on a free flap. So that's, that's basically <laughs> one of the big examples I could think of.
0: live in Melbourne, a city which has been the incubator for some of the most important bands and artists to come out of Australia. ACDC moved here from Sydney around 1974, before they went on to conquer the rock and roll world, of course. But this city is also famous for many other innovations. In fact, only one year before ACDC called Melbourne home in 1973, some game-changing advancements in microsurgery happened here that radically transformed the way operations were done overnight making Melbourne and those surgeons international rock stars to this day in this field of medicine. Depending on your music taste, I guess you could liken this operation to the Beatles releasing Sergeant Pepper. Things were never the same again. And Ramin, our surgeon, was the private assistant surgeon to one of those game changers, Ian Taylor. So when he invites us in to witness an operation and the role music plays, we are most definitely in the right place with the right surgeon. Here we are at St Vincent's Private Hospital. The operation has just gotten underway. It's bright and early on a Friday morning and the team are working hard. Around me I see about eight people in scrubs. I've been told that Dr Anthony Singh, the anaesthetist, is today's DJ as ever in this partnership between uh, Ramin Shayan the surgeon and the anaesthetist. Tell us about what we're listening to now, Dr Anthony Singh.
2: Well, this is one of Ramin's selections today. We're playing Fat Freddy's Drop and this song is called Roadie. We're just setting the tone and setting the mood for the, for the theatre.
0: That's anaesthetist Dr Anthony Singh. He's on duty today, of course, to administer the anaesthetic and keep our patient comfortable, but also to program the music for this operation. He's been a friend and colleague of Ramin, the surgeon, for over 10 years. So, what mood does Fat Freddy's Drop bring to surgery?
1: Yeah, well, Fat Freddy's Drop is a, it's a rhythmic thing. It's it's about keeping rhythm, keeping moving, no, no sudden changes, you know what you're getting, but it's building and it's, it's soulful and it's rich. Uh, as, as you know, music is a, um, a very personal choice and it's very hard to choose for a,
2: a group of uh, diverse staff members. There's at least a dozen people that come and go over the course of a morning during an operat- operating list. This is their workplace as well, so you've got to make sure that we're, we're not playing anything too offensive or too, too loud. But then, then again, we don't want to put people to sleep either. So it's just finding, finding that middle ground that keeps the surgical team uh, motivated, gets rid of that dead space that's, uh, that can fill the air sometimes in a, in a long operation such as this.
0: And this operation has just begun. On a young woman who was involved in a car accident several years back. She's lying on the table in front of me, mostly covered in sheets. And all I can see is her abdominal area and left leg. But I can tell just from this that she is petite and probably in her 20s or so. And as you can hear, an operating theatre is a very noisy place. There are all sorts of machines and computers to monitor the patient that blip and beep. There are at least six very focused people all playing a role in the operation. There are doors and trolleys and instruments clanging and keep your ear out for a buzzing sound. That's a sort of burning tool that the surgeons are using to precisely cut the patient's skin.
1: Alice, you want to know a bit about this patient? So she's a young lady who was driving along in uh, New South Wales coast, and came over the crest of a a road. Um, There was a driver, an overseas driver, who was in a hire car, and obviously subconsciously veered onto the wrong side of the road, and as he came over the crest, uh, their cars met head on, and she's had an avulsion injury of pulling the the, uh, muscle insertion of all the abdominal oblique muscles out um, from the pelvic bone.
0: Again, a reminder that I really am a wuss with blood and as we speak, I'm watching pretty much clear, perfect skin begin to be opened up by the scalpels of the surgeon, all to the soundtrack of Fat Freddy's Drop. This music conjures up visions of a summer holiday, Swimming, palm trees. Something that could not be further from what I'm actually watching. Honestly, I'm trying not to faint. There is blood and flesh, not skin, but deep red flesh and fat and muscle. I don't know about you, but I have never seen this before. Not in real life anyway. And as they work, another layer of the human body is revealed. I feel like I'm gonna pass out. Luckily, no one else in here does. And those people, well, there's Ramin plus another surgeon. Each surgeon has a nurse. There's the anaesthetist, Anthony, and he has a nurse. Plus, there's a medical student observing. And us, of course. We're all in scrubs, and you might hear that our voices are a little muffled. That's cause we're all wearing masks. Now, back to our surgeon, Ramin. Today,
1: we're using a spare part from her own body, which is from the leg to reinforce that missing or injured layer of abdominal muscle. Mm. This operation is called a free flap. Wow. Is
0: this a normal Friday morning at work?
1: It is? it is. Well, not this particular case, but...
0: Now, aside from my sweaty palms and urge to faint, I am beginning to feel an overwhelming sense of awe at what I am witnessing think about it. The only time you are ever likely to be in this situation is when it's you on the table, unwell, unconscious, probably very anxious about the operation and hopefully not remembering a thing. Or if you're one of the medical staff, in which case you're used to blood and bodies and life and death. But me, I am not. I'm an observer and I am front row and centre to this extraordinary display of the vulnerability of our bodies and how exceptionally skilled and caring these doctors and nurses are. It's overwhelming. And I'm now even more fascinated than ever about how people support themselves in the intense day-to-day reality of this job. Luckily, I've got someone who can give us some thoughts on this.
3: Why don't many people have that insight? What goes on in an operating theatre, it's like people, and I know it's one of the, like, serious, you don't ever think that they're playing music and they're having that whole discussion about, oh, what playlist do you want? I wouldn't have thought until I realised it myself. My name is Tara Karnitsis. I am a medical researcher at St Vincent's Institute and I work closely with Ramin Cheyenne, who is also my husband.
0: Tara Karnitsis is an incredibly accomplished medical researcher. In a nutshell, her work looks at how we can design better therapies to support cancer patients through their treatment. She's got a PhD from Stanford. She heads up her own research group. She's pretty much a genius. And yes, she tells me that music is also helpful in her work practice. And she's got some great insights into why it plays such an important role for Ramin.
3: He's a very creative person. Ramin is an amazing artist. He needs a creative outlet. So he likes to write and he likes to draw so in the absence of time that he gets to do these things, music is the only creative outlet he has that doesn't require time. It's just something that you choose and you listen to, but it does give you that sort of. I don't know. He kind of. It's an interesting thing. I don't think he, I, mean, I don't think he would function without it. Like if you had to cut that out of his life as well, he would. There would be. There would be some sort of consequence. I would imagine he'd be much more stressful than what he is now.
1: I think of myself, interestingly, as probably more creative uh, than uh, a didactic learner. So the plastic surgery and the research, the thing I love about the research is that essentially you're limited by your own creative imagination and you have the same problem in front of ten different people and every time you front up, every time you get in the saddle, every time you turn up for work, it's an opportunity to create a new solution. And so I feel that that's probably the biggest thing I love about my job, is that the creative outlet, and it does allow you, within the bounds of common sense and logic and patient welfare and everything, but to be creative about how you go about it. It's the very essence of how we try to approach our work.
0: Okay, so as someone who knows absolutely nothing about the mindset of surgeons, I have to say this does come as a surprise. So remember in school, I don't know if you ever did this, but we had to sit through countless personality tests and vocational tests and Myers-Briggs indicators. And definitely I was told that I was a right-brainer, meaning that I was creative and feeling and artistic. The opposite to left-brainers who are linear, mathematical, fact and logic-driven. You know, lawyers, doctors, surgeons.
3: There is that artistry. Even in surgery, there's a certain... As Plastic surgeons, there's this kind of artist creative connection because you have to be kind of creative. you have to have the basic skill set to do your operation, but some people are better at it than others. So I think that sort of um, music that he has in the background provides him with that creative energy that he uses to sort of have or operate on people in a successful way. So then the outcome is a good operation and the people, the patients are happy with the end result. So if you took that away from Ramin, I think there would be a consequence of how um, he operates and how stressed he's feeling. So you need, I think he needs to have it in his life for sure. Couldn't take it away from him. Yeah.
0: It turns out that there is an ancient connection between music and medicine, with the ancient Greeks believing that Apollo was both the god of healing and of music. And music aside for just a moment, the link between creativity and surgery really does make sense particularly when you look at the history of plastic surgery, which, by the way, is fascinating and it really needs its own show. But a quick overview. Plastic surgery was essentially born in India in and around the 6th century BC to remedy the brutal practice of removing the noses of adulterers fast way forward to World War One and the advancement of military technology which far outpaced the medical advancements of the time, resulting in a devastating loss of life and for many who survived permanent and horrific disfigurement. World War One saw the great efforts of mask makers employed to fit disfigured soldiers to help them assimilate back into society. And by World War II, the Guinea Pig Club was founded in Queen Victoria Hospital in East Grinstead, Sussex in England by Archibald Mackindo, who was a plastic surgery pioneer treating British and allied aircrew. The music you can hear right now is a recording of actual members of the club singing together. The Guinea Pig Club was named due to the highly experimental nature of the surgical techniques used, and the name was embraced. It was way more than a slightly insensitive name for a hospital wing. Archibald MacIndoe had to come up with very creative solutions to severe injuries. For example, recreating the missing fingers on a hand by making incisions between the knuckles. MacIndoe and the guinea pig club set out to make the lives of wounded servicemen as normal as possible, as many were in there for years. This meant permission to wear casual clothes in the hospital, and they even had beer kegs in the wards. The creative ingenuity championed by Mackindo and his team remains as important today in plastic surgery as it was over 70 years ago.
1: The whole field of plastic surgery is to an extent born from a desire to create a solution. And so what I think we do with cancer and trauma, it's very indiscriminate in how it afflicts the patients. And so the very nature of plastic surgery in itself is seeing a problem turn up and find a creative solution with a certain set of tools. And that, in its essence, is why you do find that I think plastic surgery in particular has a close affinity to the visual arts, drawing, painting, which I personally do, and I one day, at one point wanted to be a painter, and musical uh, pursuits as well. And a lot of plastic surgeons are, are fine musicians. It is fairly fairly standard to have a very individual and recognizable musical taste for each surgeon and every operating theater in plastics has its own set of speakers and a musical repertoire and it's an intrinsic part of the fabric of plastic surgery in particular microsurgery i like a certain array of songs playing when i do microsurgery and it balances the mood it balances the task it brings together what we're trying to do and what point of the operation it is you know it's the the hard yards versus the home stretch it's the initial phases versus the um, thinking time and so that creativity I think is very intrinsic to surgery in general but in particular plastic surgery and the types of problems that we encounter in reconstructive plastic surgery.
2: Ramin and I have been working together for a number of years now and we like to celebrate special occasions or commiserate. Changes of Australian Prime Minister, we might have a a playlist that's uh, basically Australian songs going from the 20s and 30s all the way up to today, so you know, with the change of Prime Minister we got through a session of uh, Australian music from Slim Dusty to Peter Allen, Tina Arena, Hilltop Hoods, and there are a few Jimmy Barnes anthems in there as well for good measure. It's more just an acknowledgement of, of, of monumental changes.
0: As an anaesthetist and a DJ, right. it must put you in the higher pay bracket for any DJ on the face of the planet, I would say.
2: Well oh, some DJs do quite well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, any, like any good DJs, he's got a good stash of drugs
1: there. And okay.
3: There's a bromance between Anthony and Ramin they work so closely together that one influences the other. So I'm, I'm thinking when they listen, when they choose their music or when Anthony chooses that music, um, he often says, oh, Anthony chose his music. What do you think? So I listen to it as well and I say, that's really good. Um, but it, it, it always is associated with a successful operation. So when he has a good day operating, there's that sort of connection to the music list that they were playing to at the time. And it's usually because of Anthony's selection. <laughs>
0: You can well and truly hear how important music is in this friendship between our surgeon Ramin and anaesthetist Anthony, and amusingly this environment is ripe for thematic music programming opportunities as well. Uh,
1: One of the first times we were looking for a little vessel, tiny vessel digging through tissues that is, it actually carries some blue dye in it, so it shows up as blue and you're searching for it for about two hours, and um as soon as we found it for the first time and we'd done this operation he put on an afternoon of blue theme music so you know there's the whitlam's cover of is it bob dylan's song and there is you know um, electric blue and all those sort of things true blue the elton john song and that's why they call it the blues so he managed to put on a whole theme song it was just special for me because this is the first time i've done this operation and you know we've been looking for two hours for this blue vessel and then out came, you know, this whole, I, I was never aware that there were so many songs about the theme, about being blue.
0: Do people generally recognise your genius in a no, topical I, programming? Do you feel <laughs> underappreciated in, in this gig?
2: Well, it, it, it's, not, it's not about the accolades and the, and the recognition, but having a few choices in there that, that have an underlying message sometimes, it's just for my own uh, own amusement sometimes.
0: It's generally the case for DJs. Yes,
2: or it might reflect the type of operation that we are doing
0: a bit of I've got you under my skin type?
2: Yeah, that kind of thing, or scars, or scar it's tissue, closing. or... It's time. Yeah, it's closing time. <laughs> <laughs> or, or we're done, the Madden brothers.
0: The Madden brothers. Anthony speaks
1: to me through his music. I'll have my microsurgery music, I'll have my starting music, I'll have my closing music, and um, and I think part of the relationship I have with my anaesthetists is that they know all this and they intrinsically relate to it, and it's just a It's a beautiful symbiosis and you work with people who know you and are good friends. That's part of the poetry of it all and why it's a beautiful thing to be a part of.
3: It influences people's relationships and you get a better job done if everyone's happy with the choice of music. If you can
0: bond over something with your workmates...
3: Mm. Well, that's a good thing. It's only good. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So music may facilitate that.
0: To be honest, I really thought that this is what this story would be all about, friendship, and the role that music plays in enriching that connection in a life and death environment. Of course, we generally spend more time with the people we work with than our partners, family or friends, and it's long established that having quality relationships at work create better work-related outcomes. But more than that, this really is a living example of what music does to open up and reframe our thinking patterns and processes and connect us to the creative parts of ourselves.
1: I noticed when I had come through my basic surgical training, um, after having done med school for six or seven years, you do internship and then resident training and unaccredited work as uh, a junior surgical trainee, and you really get flogged. I mean, you work between 70 to 110 hours a week for years on end. It became a survival thing and it became the antithesis of creativity. And when I started my PhD research, I realised retrospectively that it took me three months to undo that and to, to put my brain in a place where I could actually have original thoughts and have creative concepts and to read the literature and place into context what I was doing and to have these connections happen. Really when you're in survival mode you can't have that and so I think What music does in the operating theatre is it places your mind contextually into the place that it needs to be, sufficiently observational, sufficiently creative, sufficiently focused.
0: Who would have thought a bike accident and Otis Redding would lead us here? But here we are, witness to not only music's key role in soundtracking Ramin and Anthony's bromance, But as we've seen in the operating theatre, just how essential it is to their day-to-day work. And remember back at the beginning of this episode when I mentioned two significant events in Melbourne's history, ACDC's move here in 1973 and the complete evolution overnight of microsurgery the following year? Well, Ramin has a final thought on that too.
1: There's there's two great contrasts, Feta Drop and ACDC. And, And I do like my Australian rock music for that. You know, bare cold chisel, midnight oil, ACDC. It it links back to the fact that microsurgery is a very Melbourne story. Um, The story of microsurgery is about how a little town in the Southern Hemisphere actually changed the way that medicine is able to be practised globally overnight. And, And, you know, it was done on a shoestring and the research budget was small. And it was done in the era when midnight oil cold chisel acdc were coming up from their grassroots in pubs and you were getting you know these guys barely could put food on the table and were generating the foundations of dynasties of music and in a way microsurgery to me is paralleled in that story and and melbourne and australia and you know st vincent's and royal melbourne or you know the, the, the local pubs, be it the ESPY or Rob Roy or wherever these, these bands were playing, um, they go hand in hand. It's like that, that classic uh, video clip of Long Way to the Top where ACDC is sitting on the back of a truck going down Swanson Street. There is nothing more Melbourne than that. And so for me, there is that element of historically linking back to where the roots of this discipline have come from as well.
0: So it turns out there's a link between microsurgery and pub rock.
1: There is a very strong link between microsurgery and pub rock. Microsurgery is a pub rock of medicine.
0: A huge thank you to Ramin Shayan, Tara Karnitsis, Dr Anthony Singh and all the nurses and staff at St Vincent's Private Hospital and the O'Brien Institute. I have to say that working on this story has forever changed the way I look at the human body and hear Fat Freddy's Drop and ACDC. Thanks also to Davey Lane, who helped out with music for this episode, and Beth Atkinson Quinton for editorial support. We'll see you next time for more stories about and for All Is.
1: That to me is like, right, we're done.
0: I just wanted to jump in and say thank you for joining me for the first episode of this series. I feel really thrilled to have your ears on this show and I hope that you'll stay with us because we have so many more stories to share with you. Remember to subscribe to All Ears on your preferred platform so you don't miss any episodes. And if you can rate the show and leave a review, it seriously takes about 30 seconds to do this. I would be so grateful as it helps little independent shows like this reach way more people. Also, connect with me online via Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hear All Ears. That's H E A R, All Ears. And full transcripts of each show are available at the Broadway website, plus some other great shows they're working on. There, that's enough for now. Broadway. Broadway? Broadway. Broadway? Broadway. Broadway.